Happy International Women's Day. Thank you all for joining our second year in a row of Women in Chemicals webinar, Women in the Workplace with Mackenzie. I'm Claire. I have my daughter Maeve here with us today. Uh, we will, today we'll have Mackenzie present their 2022 study for women in the workplace and a newly launched innovation survey report focusing specifically on the chemical industry. We will then close out today's events with a facilitated breakout session to further um, reflect and discuss the data presented and what we can do to drive change. Perfect. Today's um, event is sponsored by our corporate sponsor, Blue Palette. Blue Palette is the market network platform for chemical commerce that helps you connect and communicate with the market from one to one to one to many. Blue Palette helps you navigate this fast-moving market by nurturing your current client relationships and securely expanding your reach. Quickly and fully vet trade partners, identify new opportunities, and swiftly adapt to market changes. Go to bluepalette.io to schedule a demo today. Thank you, Amelia. I have the privilege to introduce the first speaker today, Christine Johnson. Christine is an associate partner in the Philadelphia office where she serves energy and industrial clients on transformation, value capture, M&A, and organizational topics. Perfect. And I have the honor of introducing Hi. our next speaker, Quinn Luke. Quinn is a partner in the McKinsey Houston office and a leader of business building service line with deep experience in building and scaling new business in the agriculture, chemical, energy, and material space across incumbents and startups. It's an honor to introduce Ray Sao. Ray is an associate partner in McKinsey's Houston office. She has an extensive experience in serving clients from early stage startups to incumbents to build and scale new digital businesses in agricultural chemicals and the energy space. Perfect. And our final speaker today is Liga Sun. Liga is an engagement manager at McKinsey's Boston office, focusing on growth strategy and business building in specialty chemicals. So with that, we will hand it over to Christine to get started with the Women in the Workplace findings this year. Thank you so much, everyone. It's great to see such a large group of colleagues together on International Women's Day. Um, I joined many of you exactly a year ago um, where we shared insights on women in the workplace. Um, I am very excited to share with you what has changed um, and what that might mean uh, for the implications on our work ahead for the next year. Um, I am going to share, uh, share my slideshow here. Just before we kick off, um, a few quick facts on our women in the workplace survey. This is the eighth year that McKinsey has partnered with leanin.org. Um, so we began in 2015. It is the largest annual benchmark of women's progress in corporate America. This year's survey, um, which was conducted in 2022, collects information from over 300 organizations um, which represents more than 12 million employees. There were 40,000 employees surveyed on their workplace experiences, which includes 34 in-depth one-on-one interviews um, with uh, women of diverse identities to help round out our insights. 
So let's uh, let's just dive right in. Um, since we started doing this research eight years ago, um, we have seen slow but steady progress in the representation of women in corporate America. On this visual, uh, just to anchor, anchor you, we see representation of women across roles. So entry level, all the way on your left, um, to the senior level C-suite and board on the right. Um, and so when we compare representation um, to the end of 2016, when we first started looking, um, we see that women's representation has increased across the pipeline. The greatest increase is at the top. I think we see a 7% improvement at the SVP level and a 6% improvement at the board level. And so you know, there are signs of continuing progress, but there is still room to improve. Um, this year, we found that women in color continue to lose ground at each level. And while one in four suite, four C-suite leaders now is a woman, woman, only one in 20 is a woman of color. And finally, our data this year showed that women remain deeply underrepresented uh, in technical roles. So women in tech roles are twice as likely to say that they are the only in the room, uh, the only woman in the room. Um, in 2018, there was a nearly uh, 2x difference between men's and women's representation, and that's actually increased uh, to two and a half times. Um, and so why does this matter? Um, as this community knows um, better than most, engineering and technical roles are among corporate America's fastest growing and highest paid job categories. So it's extremely important that we improve the experiences on these women for these women and create equal paths to advancement. Um, many of you will ask or are probably wondering if this represents all of corporate America, what does it look like in the industry where I'm working today? Um, and so we can take a look at uh, the representation across the pipeline in what we call engineering and industrial manufacturing. We don't have a data set um, that represents just chemicals. Um, I will make a plea at the end of this to ask you all to have your organizations participate in this survey so we can have a chemicals benchmark. Um, I think, you know, important to note here where previously we were comparing uh, 21 to 2016, um, here we just have a simple view of um, end of year 2021 in the engineering and industrial manufacturing versus all corporate America. Um, representation is lower across every level of the pipeline except at the board level where um, where we're on par. Um, and so, you know, it's it's just important to know that at the very first uh, level of the pipeline, we're seeing a lower share of external hires at that entry level um, who are women. And while um, improvements across the pipeline are additive, um, we're not, we're, we're starting, we're starting from behind um, and we're and and we're acutely aware that this intersection with the technical roles um, is all felt quite acutely in the engineering and industrial manufacturing space. Um, so what is so concerning this year in particular? Previously, our, um, our surveys raised the alarm that we were at risk of losing senior women. And what we've seen in the data is that this has come true. If you've read our report online, we are calling this the great breakup. We are truly in the midst of um, some shocking attrition. Women are demanding far more from work and from women leaders um, 
and are leaving their companies in unprecedented uh, numbers to seek this. The gap between voluntary attrition rates for men and women leaders is the largest it's ever been since we started tracking this. This is a deviation from past years where we saw lower attrition rates on average for men leaders and women leaders and just saw less of a difference between, um, between men and women. The other big issue that we're tracking is that the broken rung is still very much broken. And we continue to see women losing ground at their first step up to manager. Women are promoted at lower rates than men, which is a challenge for achieving parity. So put differently, men significantly outnumber women at the manager level and women can never catch up in representation as you move through the pipeline. There's just too few women to promote into senior leadership roles. And so if we say for every 100 men promoted to manager, um, only 87 women are promoted, it is a slight improvement from 86 last year, um, but also concerning for women of color, we actually saw a slight regression in promotion rates from last year. Um, and so from 85 uh, women last year to 82 women of color this year, um, some women of color groups face even more challenges. Only 75 Latinas are promoted for every 100 men. Um, and even lower for Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, and Indigenous women. So it is so crucial as you're having conversations with your company about gender diversity, you cannot ignore um, the intersectional populations um, and the fact that this diversity impacts, um, impacts us in different ways. We can't just fix this for women. Um, women of color are falling behind even as we make advances um, for the gender, for our gender overall. And so why are women deciding to leave? This has been the great question when we talk about um, the great breakup. It boils down to three, three factors. One, uh, women are facing stronger headwinds in their day-to-day -day experience than men leaders. They want to advance, they want to be promoted, um, we have, I think, long since dispelled the myth that women just aren't as interested in having um, in having careers, um, but they're facing headwinds that men don't face. So women leaders are more likely than men to face microaggressions in their workplace. Um, they are more likely to have a coworker get credit for their idea compared to what men experience. Um, they're more likely to be mistaken for someone more junior than they are themselves um, and compared to men leaders. Um, we also saw that women leaders are overworked at home and are completely unrecognized for this kind of this second job. They, they're playing extra roles and then they're being denied um, and being passed over for raise, promotion or other opportunities to get ahead. Um, and so frankly, they're looking for a different culture. And for all of you who um, have roles that are uh, diversity, equity and inclusion, or inclusion and diversity, you know that creating the right culture and a culture where women feel um, that they can succeed and they are supported is so critical. And so they're simply leaving um, because they want more flexible work options. Um, they want a company that's more committed to DEI. Um, and so I think the jury's out if they're going to find that when they leave. But these are the major factors um, as women exit the workforce. Um, we're also seeing that 
we're losing a lot of young women, um, not just women leaders. Um, interestingly, we saw that the factors that drive women leaders to leave, um, being able to advance, flexibility, are the same factors that are important to young women. And this has converged more over the last couple of years. Again, it's not that young women do not have ambition. They deeply desire to advance. They want to have these opportunities. Um, and they're saying that advancement has actually become even more important to them in the past, uh, but they're not seeing those opportunities. Um, and two thirds of women under 30 are saying they do not see um, role models that look like them, that have the lifestyle and the career that they aspire to have. 67% um, of women under 30 um, said they would be even more interested in advancing if they saw a work-life balance being role modeled by a senior leader that they respected in their office. Um, or, you know, frankly, leading in a way that they admired. Um, so companies, you know, it's it's fantastic that we've seen progress, but note, we've seen progress at the most senior and executive levels and at board levels, which frankly, it's just a completely different decision. It's really a, a separate part of the talent pipeline. Um, but if we're not focusing on um, how we make good on retention for all of the women that we're fighting to recruit, um, we're really just jeopardizing um, the, the full pipeline in future. A lot of people ask, so what does it mean that women face a different experience um, in, the, in, in the workplace? Like, how can that be? You have the same experiences, you have the same opportunities. Um, one place, you know, one way we look to define this is in terms of the bias that women face. Um, and so I will share this with you afterwards because we won't have time to get into all of the slices, but it's extremely interesting to see that as the color gets darker, that means that population is experiencing more of the microaggression. So for example, women with disabilities are far more likely to have experienced others getting credit for their ideas than men have, um, or just for all women in general. Um, women um, who uh, identify as LGBTQ or have disabilities um, are extremely likely to have been, felt that they've been criticized for their demeanor or others have commented on their experience. Um, as we look across uh, these different uh, groups of women, we also see that they receive far less support at work. Um, and so, you know, simple things like my manager showing interest in my career, checking in on my well-being and how am I doing. Uh, Latinas and, and Black women, for example, um, cite that they have a far worse um, experience um, and are much less likely to experience um, the reality that we'd like to see um, with these managers. With the advent of remote work, an interesting twist is that women have reported now that they've settled into hybrid and virtual work environments. They're actually experiencing fewer microaggressions. Um, and while it's fantastic that women have felt that they've experienced a more inclusive or maybe a less biased culture, um, hybrid work and remote work is not a solution for fixing a poor, um, you know, it, it, you know, inequity and a lack of diversity in your workplace. Um, so, uh, you know, while it's it's great that this is a bit of a bandage, and what can we learn from this? 
um, this is not something that's going to fix uh, the culture challenges that we that we see. Um, and then, you know, we talk a lot about what is the role in the manager in all of this. And there's a growing gap of what's expected of managers in fixing um, these challenges in diversity and inequity and the actual support that they're getting. Um, so when you compare the expectations of managers in blue um, to what they actually are, um, you know, what the actual experience is, we can see that there's, you know, a really big difference between uh, what managers are expected to do and what their employees feel they are actually helping them achieve, whether that's develop their careers or support um, their well-being. And so this difference between expectation and reality is quite painful um, for employees, and it's painful for managers as well, that I think are acknowledging that they're not getting, um, they're not getting this job done. They don't want to see talented, diverse colleagues leave, um, but it is, in fact, the, the state where we are. Um, just to round us out here, um, we've been asked often, so what actions can companies take? And so if you wanted to screenshot a page to take back, this is probably a good one, though we will share the pages with you. Um, but when we look at companies that truly go beyond um, table stakes, um, these are some of the actions that they're taking. They're looking at data at a granular level. Um, they're creating real accountability for DE&I. Um, and they're training their managers to meet the new bar, um, to support the whole employee. Um, and then what can leaders and individuals take? What can you do as an individual? Um, mentoring and sponsorship is still um, kind of our number one um, best practice. Speaking up when you see bias, um, interrupting it, don't, you know, not waiting until the, the moment passes. Um, celebrating women's accomplishments, which hopefully it's, it's very much felt today on International Women's Day. Um, uh, rebalancing the small moments, uh, making sure that it's not just in certain meetings that we see the diversity, giving women feedback just as you would a man to help him accelerate his career, um, and making sure that women's ideas are heard. Um, so we will have uh, an opportunity in our focus groups to talk about, you know, are your organizations taking advantage of some of these practices? Um, and would also love to hear if, if this uh, if this data resonates with what you're seeing at your company. Um, and we look forward to sharing, you know, the full set of results to all of the participants on today's call. Thank you, team. Are we switching to the second topic? Why don't we do it? Yep. Yeah. Great. And uh, so first, I just couldn't be more excited coming back second.